0: This must be the most dormant national election in Israel's history. The campaign now, is it going after the, uh, the voter apathy, or how do you see this?
1: Well, a couple of things. First, I don't know if it's uh, the most dormant, because we have to remember that it looks like there's a relative tide between the pro- and anti-Netanyahu camps. Mm. So uh, that does serve to uh, peak interest. For the first 30 years of Israel's existence, we basically had one party that uh, walked away uh, as the leading party and the only one capable of forming a government after every election. So some of those were uh, more dormant than now, but we probably just don't remember. Um, The second is this is the fifth election in three and a half years. Mm. Come on, in most countries, um, what we are experiencing here would be considered uh, exciting rather than dormant Um, and and also let's remember that we've just gone through the summer and the holidays yes we've got two weeks to go hopefully things will will significantly pick up now because beyond the fact that it's the fifth election um, hopefully it will be a decisive election And we will have a government because I think the last thing that anyone wants, whether they're in the pro or anti Netanyahu, right or left, religious or secular, Arab or Jew, is to go for yet another election. So let's hope things pick up. And if for no other reason than to get people to vote and hopefully to have A stable government in power Mm. soon after
0: now I'm reading that about 20% of the voters have yet to make up their minds which I thought was a bit high well you think the campaigns are going to go after them or you think it's just going to maintain the campaigns will just try to maintain their own voters I think that
1: the results of these elections will be decided not by the undecided Mm. but by the fringe in other words Unlike a two-party campaign where the undecided are in the center and the way they go is the way the election goes, um, in an extreme multi-party situation that we have here in Israel, the undecided are spread out across the entire political spectrum. They're undecided between Likud and the religious Zionists. They're undecided between um, the state or, or centrist camp, whatever their name is in English, um and yeshatid, they're undecided between merits and labor and, and so forth. In other words, it's very hard for a party to go after the undecided vote. They have to go after the undecided that are very close to it and not move too far because then they'll start losing votes on the other end. Now, why do I think that the most important element is not the undecided, not the centrist moderate uh-huh. voters, but the fringes is because of this tie that we seem to have in the polls. And this tie will easily be broken if one, two, or three of the smaller parties on the fringes do not pass the minimal threshold, in which case that camp loses anywhere between two to three seats, and therefore the other camp has a better chance of winning. For example, uh, the Jewish home on one end, Hmm. if it gets in and gets four seats, that is a, a major bonus to the hawkish camp. But who knows, will Shakid support Netanyahu with the history that the two of them have had. On the other end, we have three Arab parties running. And in all honesty, all three of them are on the verge of elimination if turnout in the Arab community will be as low as people believe it will be. Again, if one of them doesn't make it, we could have a 60-60 split. But if two out of the three don't make it, then Netanyahu will have the majority that he needs. So these are fringe voters on the extreme ends, further to the right of Likud, further to the left of Labour, who may decide the elections simply based on their desire to turn out or not.
0: Well, you mentioned turnout, and analysts are saying that the higher the turnout, the more votes will be needed per seat. Therefore, that would make it more difficult for the smaller parties to get in.
1: Well, uh, the, the answer here is yes and no. Um, A higher turnout, indeed, as you said, increases how many votes you need in order to pass the three and a quarter percent threshold. But the question is, where will the higher turnout come from? Mm -hmm. And when you see that in the Arab community, they're talking about turnout that is scratching 40 percent, whereas in the Jewish community, it's at around 70 percent. You realize that if there will be an increase in voter turnout, the likelihood is that there will be a much sharper increase among Israeli Arabs, Mm -hmm. which will make it easier for their parties to reach the threshold. In other words, we don't have an equal distribution of the intention to vote so that increasing that across the board makes the threshold higher for everyone. Um, On on the Israeli Arab side, 20 percent, of the population are Israeli Arabs. In other words, these parties should be getting around 20 seats. Right now in the polls, they're below 10. Hmm. So, yes, higher turnout will create a higher hurdle, but it will probably, ironically, lower the hurdle in the Arab community.
0: You talk about the French parties. I want to ask you about the impact of the far-right Itamar Ben-Gvir, who belongs to the Utsma Yudid Party. Who is he drawing votes from, And, and could his success actually push a coalition to the center?
1: Oh, again, this is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, he seems to be getting voters that are not simply inside the traditional national religious community. Let's remember not too far back, um, we had a party headed by Shaked and Bennett, who were everywhere from not passing the threshold to getting somewhere in the vicinity of a dozen seats. Hmm. In other words, there is a, a chunk of voters there. But Itamar is getting votes from two other communities. First of all, he is making inroads into the Likud and into even some of the ultra-religious voter base. And second, um, he seems to be the quote-unquote protest vote of these elections. In every election, there's one party that is perceived as the, I I have a civic community, a civic um, responsibility to vote but I really don't like any of the parties. Mm -hmm. And and he seems to be getting that. Now, why is there a flip side to this? If he gets, he and and Smutrich get somewhere in the vicinity of a dozen seats, and Benny Gantz also gets a dozen seats, you could get a dynamic where Gantz says, I'm willing to join in exchange for keeping them out. In other words, I'm going to... um, shift the coalition more towards the center and save Israel from the fanatics. If he gets more, if he goes up to 14, 15 seats, it becomes a mathematically difficult uh, for Netanyahu to ditch him and, and take guns instead. And B, he will be alienating a large part of the voter base that he needs. And if there's anything that an extreme party wants, is to feel that they're um, being alienated. That works very well with the electoral base. This is when they will be able to increase their votes. Actually, when they're in government and they have to be a little more responsible, um, it sometimes works against their continued increase in voter support.
0: This is the first election where the prime minister is not Benjamin Netanyahu of these five. Uh, it's a, it's a different Yair Lapid. And, and now, because of certain things, let's say the Lebanon maritime deal or the Australia's decision today to reverse its uh, putting the capital in Jerusalem uh, or, or unrest in the territories, are, are these exposing him to being uh, attacked more from the, the right wing camp? Is well,
1: Lapid is going to be attacked by the right wing camp regardless especially since it it, it serves Netanyahu's interests to have a one-on-one battle, Um, which essentially Israeli democracy is not, because we don't have Netanyahu or Lapid on the ballot. We're voting for parties. Neither one of these parties is going to have a majority, so they're going to have to put together a coalition in order to form a government, and so on and so forth. Um, For Netanyahu, it works to be able to attack Lapid. I think this was Gantz's major hope tactics in bringing uh, Eisenkot in, what he wanted to do was turn this into a three-person head where he would be um, on par with a large third party to Lapid and Netanyahu. He still uh, is advocating that position by saying only he can form a government, but nobody truly believes that this is a three-person race. So um, the fact that Lapid is prime minister right now, yes, it opens him up to criticism, But it also gives him a platform Mm. that nobody had seen him in before. And as you said, this is the first election in a long, long time that Netanyahu isn't prime minister, which is also something very different for the voters, who many of them have grown up with only one alternative as prime minister.
0: Well let me ask you as a, as an analyst as looking at the situation uh, we haven't had this for years but could a national coalition centrist government uh, be formed here a coalition with Yesh and Likud or is or is that possible? Well that that takes us back to the last few elections where that
1: sort of result was clearly possible um back to the first round in early 2019. The reason that none of it happened is that we don't have our regular split between the right and the left, the hawks and the doves, the um, uh, ultra-orthodox and the Arabs, and so forth. What we have is a pro and anti Netanyahu split, Hmm. and that split really only attacks the hawkish camp. In other words, everyone in the center, everyone in the left is against and, and so forth. So The fact that the hawkish camp clearly is the largest camp, and together with the ultra-Orthodox, clearly have a majority. The fact that some of them will not sit with Netanyahu has split this camp, has forced us to go to one election after another, and is more than likely the reason that we won't be able to form a centrist government with the Likud. If the Likud party was willing to make a very brutal decision, of we would rather be in power than be led by Netanyahu, they could have already been in power back in 2019, and we could now be looking at the fourth year almost of a Likud-led government.
0: Hmm. Well, finally, let me ask you one more question. We're two weeks before the elections, and uh, we talked about Utsma Yehudi and and the protest vote. Do you see any other surprises perhaps, Uh, another fringe party coming up along, the Pirates, for example?
1: Well, um, if you look back at Israeli elections, there's always a surprise. Um, It's not the pirates, (laughs) but uh, we have seen surprises. For example, the pensioners party that ended up with eight seats in the last elections. It was Gantz's party that ended up with eight seats when he was at half of that for most of the polls. Um, I cannot tell you what the surprise will be. If I could, it wouldn't be a surprise. Um, But definitely with every election, We've seen a chunk of Israeli voters who make last-minute decisions, and that is the definition of a surprise.